I want to give a huge shout out as we start this morning and just call your attention and just give a word of praise to our decoration committee, our decoration team, aka the Parker family, Linda, Jimmy, Taylor, and Jaden. Thank you so much for coming up here this week and of giving your time to just set such a beautiful scene. Amen. So thank you guys so much for that. When I have a friend of mine that leads worship at Harmony Church, and I asked him, I said, Jeff, I need some songs that we could do for Christmas. And that was one of the first songs that he pulled, and he said, we've been doing that song. And and I know we've introduced some other contemporary songs, but it's... a. It, when I saw the presentation of how it was on YouTube, I, I was like, we have to incorporate that somehow. And then as I began to dig and the Lord led me to where I, where we find ourselves this morning with this particular passage of Scripture and, and our, our sermon of, or our message of a season of hope, just the truth of that song rang true. Amen? It was beautifully presented of who our Heavenly Father is. And so I ask you this morning is a little bit, different way uh, as the way we started usually i just get up here and we get going but we listen to that song and so i want to ask you first thing this morning are you hopeful or hopeless this morning are you hopeful or hopeless this morning now there may be areas in your life that you say oh yes my salvation i have eternal life. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know where I'm going. I have that hope. But man, Pastor Chris, there's something in my life that I'm hopeless about. I pray that you'll lean in. The Lord will open your heart and mind and speak truth to you from His Word. But for others of you this morning, I want to also ask you, what are you doing with the hope that you've been given? What are you doing with the hope that you've been given. Today's message, as most Sundays, is a bit of teaching, a bit of history, and a bit of preaching. And so this morning, we, as I've said, we um, are going to look at Advent. What is Advent? Right? As we begin to talk to some of you, you're like, well, I've heard of that. I don't really know what that is. Maybe one of our past preachers, he kind of mentioned something about that in the past as well. And I don't know that I truly understand it. And I said, well, that kind of makes two of us. So, um, But the next four weeks, we're going to go through, and each message will be a season of hope, a season of joy, a season of anticipation. Right? But um, the little devotional that we handed out, a Christmas code that we handed out to all of you, listen to what it says. For centuries, Christians all over the world have been celebrating the Advent season leading up to Christmas. Advent means arrival, appearing, coming, and anticipates the coming of Christ to Bethlehem stable. In the midst of all the busyness of the season, the celebrations, the shopping, the lights, the decorations, the parties, and all the other tinsel, trappings, and trimmings, Advent offers a time of spiritual preparation. It provides a time of reflecting on the true joy, peace, hope, and love that the coming of the Christ child makes possible for each and every one of us. You see, Advent also symbolizes 
the present situation of the church in these last days, as God's people wait for the return of Christ in glory, to consummate, to make complete His eternal kingdom. The church is similar, in a similar situation to Israel. At the end of the Old Testament, what do we know about Israel? They're in exile, they're waiting, they're hoping, and they're in prayerful expectation of the coming Messiah. You see, Israel looked back to God's past, gracious acts on their behalf, in leading them out of Egypt in the Exodus. And on this basis, they called for God once again to act for them. In the same way, the church during Advent, we, the church, looks back upon Christ's coming in celebration, while at the same time looking forward in eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when He returns for His people. In this light, the Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, perfectly represents the church's cry during the Advent season. Listen to those words. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. As we celebrate and focus our attention this first week of Advent, I want you to see that this December, leading up to Christmas, is a season of hope. As we lit the candle this morning, we kicked off the season of hope. And I'm calling you, I think the Lord is calling us to remember and to reflect on Christ's coming. Very quickly, a, a background on the Advent wreath and candles. The Advent wreath first appeared in Germany in 1839. A Lutheran minister was working with mission, working at a mission for children. And he created a wreath out of a wheel of a cart. And he placed 20 small red candles and four large white candles. He placed, um, he placed the 20 small red candles inside the ring. And the red candles were lit on weekdays. And the four white candles were lit on Sundays. Eventually, the Advent wreath was created out of evergreens, symbolizing everlasting life in the midst of winter and death. The circle... The circle of the wreath reminds us of God's unending love and eternal life that He makes possible. A new candle is lit each Sunday, of the four Sundays before Christmas. And each candle represents something different. Although traditions vary, we will study what each of the four candles represents this month. And often the first, the second, and the fourth candles are purple. The third candle is rose-colored. It's on the back. And occasionally you will see, with our Advent candles, that there is a fifth white candle in the center. And that's placed in the middle. And it's lit on Christmas Day to celebrate Jesus' birth. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of Isaiah. You'll be in the Old Testament. Find Psalms. 
rather large book there in the Old Testament and start going to the right. So Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and then you will find the book of Isaiah. We'll be in Isaiah chapter 9. And as you're turning there this morning, I want to remind you that Isaiah is writing to the nation of Judah and he's calling them back to God. And he's writing to tell them of God's salvation through the Messiah. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It will sound familiar. You've heard it already once today. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of this increase, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and other over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. See, I struggled this morning as we were going, as I was preparing for these messages, right? Because it's easy to talk about the hope of Christmas. It's easy to talk about the joy of Christmas. But how do we align that with Scripture? And so as, as the Parker family read that, as we lit our Advent candle earlier, it's okay that we hear it twice. Amen? It's okay that we they read it, but now we're going to unpack it. We're going we're gonna to look at it. We're going to take a deeper dive. And the first thing I want you to see in verse 6 is Isaiah tells us, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. So Isaiah here is declaring both the humanity, a child is born, a child, and the deity, a son is given of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called. Listen to what Isaiah tells us. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Now, in some sense, you will see um, in some texts and in some words that you will see that some people will combine those words. They will say that he is a wonderful counselor. And he is indeed. But you can also break those words apart. He is wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. And if he's wonderful, then what does that mean about Jesus? That he's exceptional. That he's distinguished. And his name being wonderful means that there's nothing dull about His reign. Amen? Isaiah also tells us that He's a counselor. And if He's a counselor, guess what? He will give the right advice. I didn't say He'll give the best advice. I said He'd give the right advice. Amen? And so as a counselor, He has the wisdom to rule justly. Then we see Isaiah says that his name will be Mighty God. Mighty God. He is man, but he is also God. And as 
mighty God. He has the power to execute His wise plans. Then we see that Isaiah says that He's the everlasting Father. He's the everlasting Father. Well, the first thing that tells us is He is timeless. But can I caution you here? Everlasting Father does not suggest that the Son is also the Father. Because each person of the Godhead is distinct. Right? There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one. I can't fully explain that to you, and praise God that I can't, because if I could, guess what? He wouldn't be God. Amen? So sometimes when people come to us and they come at us and say, well, I need you to explain all this. There's some things in faith with the Lord Jesus Christ that you just cannot explain. And as we're talking about this morning, this is a season of hope. This is a season of hope. So where do you put your hope? So as I was reading, as I was studying this, Father of Eternity might be a better translation of that. That he's the father of eternity. Why? Because among the Jews, the word father meant originator or source. For example, we're told in God's word that Satan is the father, the originator of lies. John eight forty four. So if you want anything eternal, you must get it from Jesus Christ because he is the father of eternity. And then we see that Isaiah says that this child that will come, he he prophesies this some 700 years before the birth of Christ. He's saying the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And he will be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father. And lastly, he tells us that he will be the prince of peace. Jesus came so that we might have peace. As we're told here this morning, his government, his rule and his reign is one of justice and peace. I heard it summed up this way. This child, Jesus, was given the names that we've discussed. That they might signify his character. He is characterized by extraordinary wisdom. Hence, he is the wonderful Counselor. He will have life that is never ending. So he is the eternal Father. And he will bring peace. He is the Prince of Peace. So this morning we studied about Jesus and his names as Isaiah prophesies and says that the child that will be born and these are his names. And we've said that his coming gave, or that his coming should give us hope. But how can we ensure that we truly grasp this hope that Jesus brings? How can we grasp that? Well, this first candle, this first study, this first Sunday of December is about hope. It's about hope. But can I also tell you something else? It's about a promise. It's about a promise. 
For Isaiah, as he prophesied some 700 years before Christ, he was calling people to put their hope in the promise of God, in the promise of the Messiah. Do you see that? Hope and promise are linked. So begin to think, what do we know about the promises of God? Right? What do we know about the promises that God, of God? Well, I'll give you five really quick. Promises that God made. First off, I want you to think back about Noah. What did he tell Noah? That he would not destroy the earth by water again. Right? That's a promise that God made. The Lord promised to Abraham that he would become the father of what? Many nations. And he took him and he said, look up into the stars. Can you count them? Look down at the sea, at the grains of sand. That will be your descendants. There will be as many that you cannot even count. God promised that. And God delivered. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but as we study in the coming weeks, and as we have to anticipate the coming of Christ, the coming of Christmas, in Abraham, I think about Abraham and Sarah. And he said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And what did they do? They took matters into their own hand and they created, they, they sinned, just like all of us, they sinned and, and there's an offshoot. But then they had to wait. There was a time of preparation. We'll talk about that again in the coming weeks. So Noah, he promises he won't destroy the earth by water. Abraham, he'll be the father of many nations. What does he tell David? He says, from you, David, will come an everlasting king. What does he promise the nation of Israel? That he would bring them back to himself. And friends, what does he promise the church? What does God promise the church? He promises that he would build it. It would be built by his blood. And not even the gates of hell could keep that from happening. God will build a fellowship of believers. God, if, if we are praying earnestly and we seek the Lord and we want to see, there's a whole section, friends, right here. How many rows? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's seven rows right here. We've got one person. There's tons of room. Are we praying? Are we seeking the Lord? Are we asking the Lord to work? Are we asking Him to fill these pews? Why? Not just so we say, hey, look at us, God. we got a whole building full of people because guess what? When we fill those pews, guess what? More problems come. Amen? More problems come. I mean, anytime, I mean, I've been in groups. We had a group of 14 and we had problems and couldn't agree on everything. Amen? So the more people you get, the more problems you have. But here's what I want you to know. That the gospel will be preached. That people will know that in 2019, that there is still hope if we look to Jesus. Amen? So how are they going to hear if we don't invite them in? God's word says go out on the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. One way we can kind of invite them in is why? We created a bag. If they fill out a little card and say, hey, I'm a guest, we're going to give you some chocolate. Now, who doesn't like chocolate? But at the same time, we're going to give them chocolate, but we're also going to give them hope. We're going to give them this Advent book that we've been going through. We're going to give them 199 wisdoms of talking to God so that maybe one day when they're hopeless, they can turn to that and see that God is love. God loves them and that he sent his son Jesus for them and that there is still hope in a dark and dying world. Amen? Now, as we talked about what God promised, those were just a few of the things that God promised. 
But what is God, what promises did God make to the believer? What did God promise to the believer? And what hope, what hope, as we talk about hope this morning, what hope can we have in, in believing and following in Jesus? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you a list. Listen, if you want the scripture reference to these, I'll be glad to share. Because in a time like this, I, I want to hit them. I want you to hear, and I hope that God and the Holy Spirit, He will just resonate one of these with you, and you'll say, wow, okay, God, I forgot that your, your son Jesus came so that I might have X. I might have Y. And here is what Jesus promised. Here's what God promises to the believer. He promises an abundant life. He promises a heavenly home. He promises a new name. He promises comfort, everlasting life, fellowship. He offers us, He promises us gifts of the Spirit. And friends, can I tell you something to not get too far off track? He has all given us gifts. We are part of a body, and a body is made of many parts, and we've all been gifted with something. And the only way that the body of Christ will work and sustain and do what Jesus has called us to do is as each of us is doing something. Amen? If each of us is doing what God has gifted us to do, whether that's writing a letter, picking up a phone, praying with someone, knocking on a door, visiting with shut-ins, preaching and teaching Sunday school, right? Going out and serving snow cones, whatever it might be, we've got to use... Oh, can I call your attention to something? I'm glad. I just thought of this. All right, as you come into the parking lot, you might have noticed that there's like a construction zone going on. You don't see any caution tape, but you see it, right? And the big wall, and it's it's it was white, and now it's gray. Well, that's because Danny's been coming up here, and he brought his pressure washer... And he's using his pressure washer, the tools that God gave him to come up and pressure wash that off. Why? So that it can be painted and it can look nice for those who come. So it's an inviting environment. Amen? So thank you, Brother Dan. I've been meaning to mention that uh, the last couple Sundays. But thank you for giving up your time to come. And what did he do? We provided the water. He just provided the labor and just stood there. Imagine how tedious that was, brick by brick, going and just blowing off that paint. But he's doing it, why? For the glory of God. Jesus, God, he promises the believer glory after death. He provides us guidance. He promises growth. He promises us hope. He promises us joy. He promises us knowledge. He he promises us freedom. And he promises us peace. And friends, he promises us rest. He didn't stop there. He promises us healing, strength, wisdom, and victory. So when you think about this season that we enter right now, just reflect on those things. That's how you can have hope because that's what Jesus promised and Jesus' promises, He stands by them. Amen? If you will seek Him, you'll have an abundant life. You'll have a heavenly home. You'll have a new name. You'll have comfort. You'll have everlasting life. That does not mean that you will not have trials and tribulations. But if you look to Jesus, we learn today that He is what? The Prince of Peace. The wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Look to Jesus. So I asked you first thing this morning, are you hopeful or hopeless? And I want to invite you to take a moment and assess your life. Where are you currently? What all do you have going on? And I want you to ask yourself, Am I hopeful or am I feeling hopeless? 
Friends, I've come to tell you this morning that with what we've read in Scripture and what we've discussed about the names of Jesus and the promises of God, you can have hope. You see, hope came down at Christmas and His name is Jesus. And Jesus came down so that hope may go out. I asked you this morning as well, what are you doing with the hope that you've been given? Favorite quote. You know it's coming. Some of y'all could even quote it. He saved you. God saved you so that you may be a conduit through whom His glorious, life-changing gospel, and let's add today, hope may flow to others. Jesus came down, so hope may go out. So we kind of wrap up our time of looking at a season of hope. You're going to hear this word again probably in the coming year. But one catechism. What's a catechism? I'm going to define it. So one catechism. A catechism is a summary of principles in the form of questions and answers. So one catechism... That describes, I, that describes Advent as spiritually beautiful. Listen to what it says. I'll define another word really quick so I have to define it in a second. Liturgy. You've heard of churches that are they're liturgical. So liturgy is a ritual or a formulated means of worship. In essence, it's spelled out, Right? When you're following the liturgy, I mean, some churches they go to and doesn't matter, you know, it's the fourth Sunday after whatever. Okay, this is what we're supposed to do today. That seems a little prescribed. Not how I've grown up. But in a time like this, there are time, there are catechisms, there are things that we can read and call us to remember. So listen to what it says. When the church celebrates the liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, the faithful, and I'll add hopeful, renew their ad, their ardent, their passionate and enthusiastic desire for His second coming. By celebrating Christ's birth and martyrdom, the church unites herself to this desire, to His desire, He must increase, but I must decrease. Amen? He must increase, and I must decrease. Lord, I could go off and preach a sermon just on that right now, but let's keep going. All right, so a portion of a prayer, a portion of a prayer I read this week. I want you to listen to this. I'll try to share it on our Facebook page. Listen to this. This Advent, Lord, come to the manger of my heart. Fill me with your presence from the very start. As I prepare for the holidays and gifts to be given, remind me of the gift you gave when you sent your Son from heaven. The first Christmas gift, it was the best gift ever. 
You came as a baby born in a manger, wrapped like gifts I find under my tree, waiting to be opened to reveal your love to me. Restore to me the wonder that came with Jesus' birth. Friends, can I simplify that prayer just a way I might simplify that? You can simplify it and plug one of those things out and pray it yourself, but I'd simplify that prayer like this. Jesus, help us to find our hope in you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this season. Father, we thank you that it is a season of worship. It is a season of music season of song, a season of looking back in your word and anticipating your coming. And so, Father, I pray now that as we've studied about what Advent is, that it not be trivial and we not think it's some big word, but God, we pray, as, as that prayer mentioned too, Lord, that you would just prepare in our hearts. Awaken the wonder inside of us. Fill us with the awe of what Christmas is really about. And help us to learn that it's not in presence that we will find hope, that we find joy, that we will find peace. But God, that those things, true hope, true joy, and true peace are found only in your presence. So Father, help us to get along with you this coming week, to meditate on your word, to read through our Advent devotional, or just to be still in all our busy rushing. For your word reminds us, the Psalms, that where does our busy rushing end? It ends in nothing. Father, as we started this day, may we end this day together in your house. Remind us to just breathe. Just breathe. Father, we thank you that love came down. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Fill us with hope that that it may spill out to those that you place in our path. Father, we thank you and we love you. Thank you that you are the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Amen.